Hi, and welcome to Fashion Talks, the podcast about observing the world through the lens of fashion. I'm your host, Donna Bishop. Hello, and thank you so much for being here. Today, my guest is Andrea Sampson. She is the founder of Talk Boutique, and she is a thought leader, coach, speaker, author, and facilitator. And we are going to be talking about why it is important for entrepreneurs, freelancers, leaders to view themselves as thought leaders and how to cultivate that in your business. Let's get to it. Andrea, it is so wonderful to have you here today. Thank you so much for joining me on Fashion Talks. Oh, thank you, Donna. I am so excited to be here. I'm really looking forward to today's conversation. Well, I think this is a super super relevant and interesting thing for entrepreneurs across sectors, especially in fashion, to be thinking about, which is this idea of cultivating thought leadership. But before we get into the ins and outs, and this is where everyone could go grab a piece of paper and a pen if you don't have one already, because I know people are going to need to want to take notes. Can you tell us a little bit about you? How did you come to this place? And how did thought leadership become your focus of, you know, your profession and your passions? Yeah, so great question. I mean, I can't, I've got a bit of an eclectic background. This isn't the place that I thought I would be, you know, at this point in my career. I started my career in marketing and advertising. I spent almost uh, 25 years working for some of the largest agency networks in the world, working on some of the world's most recognizable brands. I was um, what was called in the agency world a planner, which is really a strategist. So I was a brand strategist. Now I started you know, early on in my career in direct marketing, I did lots of work in advertising and I worked on both sides of the, of the table, as we say in the industry, I worked as a client for large advertisers and I worked in the agency world, as I said, as a brand strategist and planner. And I loved what I did. I always loved the creative side of advertising. It was so interesting to me, but you know, there came a point in my career where I started looking around and thinking, is this something that is really satisfying who I am? And it wasn't, you know, I started to realize, I always like to say I was an idealist in a capitalist world. And I had this belief that I could make change with advertising, that I could, you know, you know, use this powerful medium to impact um, the thoughts and the behaviors of consumers. And yeah, of course we were, but we were doing it for commercial profit. And, and I really wanted to create impact. And so I took some time and I was still working in advertising, but I was like, well, what do I do? What am I even qualified to do? You know, I mean, outside of the agency world and outside of marketing and advertising. So I was really questioning, and this was about I'm going to say now it was probably about 15 years ago when these thoughts started to come to me. And what I started doing is I just started like looking around, going to conferences and um, listening to other people that were outside of the industry. I remember I went to a conference called the World Domination Summit. Great summit. And if you ever get a chance, I don't even know if it still is going on. It used to happen in Portland, Oregon every year. Um, And it was so much fun. But again, like something like that, where I'm like, what is the world domination summit? I think I need to go. And, and I just saw a different me while I was there. And in doing that, I got the very good fortune at the time to go to, and this was early in the days of TEDx, 
to go to TEDx Toronto. And I think TEDx Toronto um, was one of, I think it was the second TEDx worldwide to ever be offered. And um, for many years, it was the largest and most respected of the TEDx's in the world. And so I, early in those early days, got to go to one and was blown away. And I, um, I thought, wow, this is amazing. How do you, like, how do they do this? I mean, it was really incredible to see speakers who I'd never heard of and thought, why don't I know of these people? And I actually was talking to a friend of mine in the audience at the end of the show and somebody in front of me turned around and said, you know, this is all volunteer run. I was like, holy cow, that also blew me away. It was like, this was actually one of the best conferences I had ever been to. It was a one-day conference. So I go on their website and I quickly put in my application for the next year, literally in the audience. And, um, and I ended up having the very good fortune to be hired as a speaker's coach. Now, I didn't even know what a speaker's coach was, but you know, I was still working in advertising. And as a brand strategist, I was doing research. I was, um, you know, presenting strategies to the client literally every day. So that, it's not a big stretch. I'm sure, I mean, look, TED Talks are different, but I'm sure I can pick this up. Well, that first year really opened up a world for me because what it did is it showed me a couple of things. One, my 20 some odd years in advertising had trained me perfectly to be a speaker's coach. I didn't know that. But what I learned was that being a speaker's coach, and now, because it's, I'll take it one step further, which is being a thought leader coach, it, what it was required was understanding how to distill large amounts of information into one single idea, because that's what a TED talk is. And so I, I was able to do that. And here I was working with some of the smartest people I had ever met. I mean, that first year, I was working with one of the foremost experts in the world on body language. I was working with an individual who was working on a worldwide project to decode the genome. This man had two PhDs, one in medicine and one in engineering. You know, I remember my first session with him, he opened his notebook and it was all math. <laughs> I thought, I don't know if we can work together. <laughs> you know, that so, is a lot to distill. <laughs> it's a lot to distill, right? And so, so I learned this, I had this unique talent I didn't even know I had. And these people were doing amazing work in the world. This was the other piece to it. That first year, I actually saw a new world I hadn't ever seen because what, they, what I was being shown through the TED lens were people who were so busy doing the work of creating impact and change that they were forgetting to tell anyone about it. And suddenly, yes, we had them on our TED stage. And yes, they would get their 15 minutes of fame or in the TED world, 18 minutes. Um, but the reality was, if not by some fluke of nature, that would be a very fleeting 15 minutes because, you know, there are over 100,000 TED Talks done every year. And very few of them actually go viral. I know we all love TED Talks. We watch them. We consume them. But few of them actually get to the point where many people are seeing them. And so I saw that there was this need that I could actually help with, that I could in fact help them to communicate in a way that the rest of us understood. Because much like my client whose notebook was all math, you know, his communication skills were as an expert. 
Um, and he was talking the language of science and, and the genome. I didn't speak that language. And what I was able to do was to help him to turn that into something that was understandable. So, you know, how did I get into this world? Well, it was through that. Suddenly, I saw my skill set, my abilities, and more importantly, my passion actually had a place that could be helpful in the world. And so I, I ended up working for almost four years on TEDx Toronto before I, I created what is now my company, Talk Boutique, um, which was created out of that work. And it was really designed to help experts and change makers become thought leaders that actually create change in the world. And how did I then become the thought leader of thought leaders or something in that? I mean, I hate to say that because I don't really believe that. Are we allowed to call ourselves thought leaders? I don't know. <laughs> Is that something we get to 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 put on someone else, I guess? Someone else, because that's exactly what I was going to say. It's, it's not a title. It's not like we put a TL after our name, right? Um, you know, it's something that others call us, but but we recognize thought leaders and we recognize them because they give their knowledge in such a way that we understand it. They're technical, they're deep, they're um, their their clear understanding of something that none of us really understand. And then we we watch that TED Talk and we go, oh my God, I get it now for the very first time. Why? Because as a thought leader, what they've done is they've taken their their influence, their emotional connection to their content and to their audience, along with the confidence they have in the knowledge that they bring. And they seamlessly blend those two things in such a way that we as the audience not only understand what they're talking about but we connect with them and their authenticity in everything they're telling us and that's what it means to be a thought leader well and i just want to catch people before they say oh my goodness i don't i'm not doing a ted talk i you know am not a scientist before like don't leave like <laughs> Be, be, no. Being being a thought leader, is it something that any of us can step into? Yes or no? Absolutely. In fact, I'm writing a book right now called The Everyday Thought Leader that talks exactly about that. Because here's the thing, you know, when I mean, if we think of TED, TED is about science, technology, um, entertainment, right? TED stands for technology, entertainment, and design. Um, and so entertainment is arts. And when I work with people, I work with a lot of artists, actually, because artists have very complex information. You know, we think about um, the art they're doing. And for many of us, we consume that art and we think it's, we, we take away from it what we take away. But I work with a lot of artists. And what I know is they're really smart people who have really deep understanding of the world around them. That's what makes them a good artist. But they can't explain that. And so it's the same issue. And so as a thought leader, you can be a thought leader in art. You can be a thought leader in design. You can be a thought leader in cooking. You can be a thought leader in, in how to be a good mother, quite frankly. You do not need to have a university degree behind you that says now you get to claim thought leadership. That's not what it's about. It's about being able to create a connection with your audience in such a way that they learn from you 
what they need to learn from you in a way that um, is authentic to who you are and also to who they are. So, you know, if we take the example of, of, of a mom, a stay-at-home mom, there are so many amazing women who have made that choice who actually have incredible thinking as to why they've made that choice and the way in which they choose that, the way in which they raise their family, the way in which they, you know, stay at home, the, the, the work that they do. It's not just cleaning the house. They're doing many, many things. And we see them now with the rise of social media on TikTok and on Instagram, giving us tips that help us to understand how to be a thought leader or how to actually be a better stay-at-home mom. Um, and they have thought leadership on that. So it's not outside of us and so unattainable. We all have the ability to be thought leaders. And looking at it through the lens of an entrepreneur, because many, many, many people who work in fashion as designers, as photographers, as models, as makeup artists, as retailers, like across the swath of opportunities within this industry fashion, what are the advantages of taking on and stepping into the role of a thought leader as someone who works as an entrepreneur or a freelancer? Where do you think the benefit is for bringing that into my business marketing mix? Like, how do you describe it as part of my strategy? Yeah. So why be a thought leader? What is the value of being a thought leader? I just wrote an article on this actually on, on LinkedIn yesterday um, about the dual benefit of being a thought leader. And, and really the dual benefit is one, there is a monetary benefit to it, especially if you are in, in the world of, of you know, entrepreneurship or, or industry. And that, that monetary benefit comes in the way of um, opportunities, jobs, um, projects. Why? Because as a thought leader, you become the go-to resource. So whether you're inside of an organization, as an example, you're the person that's first picked for the promotion. Um, if you are an entrepreneur, you are seen as the go-to resource for whatever it is that you offer in the world. Um, so, so monetary benefits, opportunities come to you. The other side of it is the societal benefit because what you're doing, so yes, it's great to get paid and to be successful and that's important and I don't want to denigrate that at all. In fact, I want you all to recognize that being a thought leader has a monetary benefit, but the societal impact is equally as important because when you're adding your voice to a global collective of thought leaders, what you're doing is you're giving us a new way to see what it is that you do. And by doing that, they're doing two things. One, you're helping us to see a new way of doing something or a new approach or a new, um, uh, you know, I, I guess it is approach in to do what it is you want to do, but equally as important, you're inspiring others. And in the inspiring of others, we all grow. So adding your voice to a global collective creates societal change. You know, when I think about the fashion industry, it's such an important industry right now because we're seeing it come up so much in, in the area of climate change and sustainability. There's so many conversations. Well, who are the thought leaders in the fashion industry right now who are speaking up, not just on sustainability, 
But in terms of the long-term view of the fashion industry, you know, I could go down five different avenues, you know, whether it be fashion in the metaverse, what does that look like? I actually, uh, today I'm, I'm, I just got a notice that I'm, I was invited to um, the optical fashion event in the metaverse. And it's all about glasses, um, you know, and, and it was interesting as I actually, just before this, I logged in quickly. So I was like, I'm just curious, what is there, you know? And, and there was somebody talking about sustainability of web three and the metaverse and how fashion can take a lesson from it. So there you go. So somebody was talking about that. Well, and I want to hold you there for a minute because I think you bring up an excellent point. Like when I hear you talk about things like sustainability or fashion and tech, you know, even something like buying local or like the regionalness of a fashion uh, of a fashion element, I think all of us can think of people who are already speaking in those areas. So, does that mean if there's already a voice somewhere that the thought leadership? box has been ticked for that for that particular subject matter or is it is it okay to continue to foster our own thought leadership prowess even if someone is already in that space you know there's always space here's the thing so now i'll go back to the ted world only because i think it's a it's something we all are familiar with like i said there are over a hundred thousand ted talks done every year so that means there are millions of ted talks online right now Is there any topic that hasn't been done? Probably not. I would suggest that you put in, if we were to put in, you know, fashion and climate change as an example, there would probably be anywhere from 10 to 100 TED Talks done on that very thing. We could watch every one of those TED Talks and get something different from everyone. Why? Because it's not about the topic. It's about the person. The person brings something different to the conversation. Each of us has a different background, a different culture, a different life experience. And because of that, we understand these topics through different lenses. And when we surface what we believe or know or think on these topics, what we're doing is helping others to see it in a new way. That's what a thought leader does. And so adding your voice to an already um, active conversation is only going to make that conversation better. You're only going to add to it. And there are so many conversations right now that only have one or two voices and that's simply not enough. We need more. Well, and I'm going to get to the, where do we exercise our thought leadership in a second? But before we get there, I'm sure people are thinking like, how, like, how do I do this? How do I even start? So what are some of your tips for yeah. people who are thinking they're ready to step step into this before we get into, you know, not everyone gets a TED Talk. I'm sure there are other avenues okay. to do this, which we'll get to. But what are your tips apart from reaching out to someone like yourself? And we'll put all your contact information in the show notes. But how do I start my thought leadership journey? Yeah. So the, how you start it, first of all, is by really doing some thinking, um, you know, going inward. Because what is it that you are in some way deeply, deeply connected to? Now, I know this is a, you know, a, a podcast that primarily speaks to the fashion industry. So I'm going to assume that pretty much everyone here deeply believes in fashion in some way, shape, or form. Excellent assumption. Yes. <laughs> and so um, 
But every person who is listening to this will have a different area that they really deeply connect to in fashion. You know, whether that, like, again, there's like, I mean, thousands of different ways in which people could come into it. So that's what I call a topic. Okay. So what's your topic? Um, that, you know, that topic is important because we all are able to understand a topic. It's, it's, there's no differentiation. It's just a, a thing that we know of. Well, once we can identify the topic that we deeply connect to, then we can give ourselves some time to think about what, what is it that we do that's differently than anyone else on that topic? What is our unique per perspective or point of view? I like to say, how do we activate that topic differently than anyone else? Now, it could be that, I don't know, perhaps you are a designer and you choose to only use natural fiber. Maybe that's, that's one of the ways in which you differentiate. But maybe it goes deeper than that. Maybe you only use natural fiber because you deeply believe in sustainability and you want to create garments that actually can biodegrade within a hundred years. Okay. Now we're getting even deeper and maybe it goes even deeper than that. Maybe it's because you grew up next to a garbage dump and you saw the impact and it was, you know, and maybe you lost a, a family member because of it. Your unique experience, as you can see, as we're going deeper and deeper, suddenly this is your unique perspective because you're not just talking about fashion. You're talking about how fashion, when we make choices around fiber, we're actually not only helping the planet, but we're also helping the families that live on it. That would be your unique perspective. And why is that important? So that we create sustainability um, of, of the industry. We create beauty of garments and we make sure that we're not, we're doing no harm. Now that's an idea that might be unique to you. And there's no one else who can activate it in the way that you can. And what I just gave you was a combination of three things, a what, a how, and a why. And so the what is the topic, the how is how you activate that topic, and the why is the impact it creates. So that's the starting point for you. Just think about it. What is it? Next, who are you? What is your personal brand? What, what is it that makes you, you? Make sure you know what your values are and how you can be authentic to them. And then the third thing is, do you have a community around you who is wanting in some way to, to, to support and amplify your, your message? So we're really talking about you as a communicator, you as a brand, and you as a community. And these are things that you can do over time. You don't have to have all of them to start, but you can start all of them. And then well, and your community could be two people or 2,000 or 2 yeah. million people. Absolutely. And that's it. It's like, start with the community of two. I, you know, I'm working with um, a client right now. So we have something called the Thought Leader Academy, which is uh, an online program with group coaching. And one of the, um, one of the students in the, in the, in the Thought Leader Academy is, um, she's a doctor in the U.S. And she's got this amazing idea. Um, where she wants to transform the healthcare system from the inside out. So I was working with her recently and we were talking about this very thing and she's building, she wants to create a movement. 
She's got yeah. big lofty goals. And, and as she should, like what an amazing goal to transform the healthcare industry. Um, and I said to her, how many people do you have? She said, I have three. I'm great. Great. You're starting. Okay. You're at the beginning. So you now need critical mass. So what are you doing with those three? Now it's a job of making sure that they're bringing more people to your movement, right? So they become, three people can become six and six can become nine and nine can become, you know, 18 and like it grows, but three is enough. She's starting. Well, and you said something there that I sense is very critical as it relates to thought leadership. And it's the idea of a movement, which feels very different to me than how I would think of an expert or a, a trailblazer? Can you sort of differentiate maybe even just between expert and thought leader? Because I think maybe we conflate them, but my sense is, is that there's some very clear distinctions between the two in your perspective. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. You know, I started this off by saying, um, when we think about a thought leader, a thought leader really, and I, so I'm going to take us into a little bit of, of some of the methodology that I use. So imagine, you know, sort of a uh, an XY chart, you know, on one axis, we've got um, emotional connection. And on the bottom axis, we've got uh, confidence in our knowledge. Okay. Um, and so again, it's, this is not about education. This is not about, um, you know, are we deeply connected? This is just simply at a highest level. What is our emotional connection? And what is the confidence in the knowledge that we have? Okay, so very simple. Um, when we think about that, the and this is a mindset, okay? So I, I also want to differentiate that, that what we're talking about is how we show up. A thought leader is how you show up. An expert is how you show up. So you are, you're, you have a mindset. You know, like even being a trailblazer, you're showing up with a mindset, right? So understanding what mindset we're showing up with. So as an expert, you show up with lots of confidence in your knowledge, right? Experts come in as an authority. They are often um, showing up with very rigid views often, right? Because they are so confident in their knowledge. But that rigidness, that confidence actually does not create an emotional connection. So they tend to be less emotionally connected to whoever it is. And they do that actually purposefully because they don't want emotions in their mind to cloud their knowledge. But when they do that, what happens is they separate themselves from their audience and their audience never really connects with them. And then the language they use, the way in which they describe their expertise or that knowledge they have is often very technical. And so not only do we not connect with them, we also don't connect with their information. We don't remember it. And there's brain science here because what we're talking about is actually creating emotional connections and associations in the brain. And when we're using language that is factual, we're really only speaking to one part of the brain. I'm Which trying to convince, not inspire. Inspire or empower, right? Yeah. So, so we lose our audience as experts. We show up in that mindset, we hold that, but we don't connect. Mm -hmm. We're in that, what I like to call change makers. And change makers are the people who are deeply passionate 
deeply passionate about what they're doing. They often have the same amount of education as experts. Um, it's really a mindset difference, right? Their mindset is, I want to show you the impact that doing the thing that I'm going to tell you about will, will do. Or I so deeply believe in this. I want you to believe in it in the same way that I do. And so experts lean, or sorry, change makers lean heavily into emo the emotional connection. They want to connect with us. They build that emotional connection, but they don't like to go into the facts and data because what happens is their worry is they'll lose us, that it'll take us into a different discussion and it'll put them into that expert role where they'll lose the connection with us. And so much like the expert, what happens is the audience pulls away because it feels really good emotionally. We don't feel like we have any facts that actually bring it to us. So we're like, okay, well, they seem really passionate about it, but I don't, I don't really know if they know what they know, you know? And so we're left wondering. So, you know, if, and, and if we look at the trailblazers, you know, that's kind of often, they're the ones that are right on the cusp of that. And I would even put influencers into this, right? They're kind of, right in between where they're like, you know, they're, they're heavy on emotion and then they're heavy on fact and then they're heavy on emotion and then they're heavy on fact, right? And they're going back and forth and back and forth, but they're never really bringing the two together. Or, and that, I would say that's a trailblazer, right? Because they're using whatever tool they need in the moment to get forward. Um, but they don't know actually how to put it together. And often they're moving so fast, they, they, they don't slow down long enough to put those two things together. Um, the influencers on the other side of it, I would say, are often leaving, leaning heavily into emotional influence. Um, but there's a bias. We can feel the bias because we know that with influencers, there's often some form of reason why. Right. And so, and it's never said. Um, and so, but we know it. And so they're never going sort of all the way over. So, so what does it, what does a thought leader look like? Well, a thought leader is where they they do they come with that confidence in their knowledge they come with the emotional connection to the audience but what they've left behind is the ego that lives in both of those places because as a thought leader what we're doing is we're showing up in service of the idea not in service of anything else the idea and is it okay to have the idea even if i'm thinking yeah but my idea is hopefully you'll buy my clothes or you'll hire my service. Right. Like, like, how do you, how do you kind of reconcile those, those two? Cause I can hear the questions out there of the like, yeah, but Andrea, I'm not just an idea. Like I'm also, I'm also a business. I want to sell. Yeah, of course. And so here's, here's what happens when we show up as a thought leader in service of the idea, then people want what it is we sell because we're not showing up selling. In fact, we're not even thinking about selling when we're in that, that lens, through that lens of a thought leader. So as a fashion brand, as an example, let's say that you're showing up as a thought leader in the area of sustainable fashion. Um, Kelly, and I've, her last name has gone. Drennan. Kelly Drennan. Um, we worked with Kelly um, a few years back on TEDx uh, Corktown. She gave a great talk. And if you haven't seen it, go and watch it. But Kelly's talk was all about sustainability in the fashion industry. She showed up as a thought leader. She showed up helping us to see the small changes we could make. Now, Kelly has a business. Kelly does work in the fashion industry. 
I'm sure that because of the work she did speaking out and she continues, she does, she has a, she does a lot of activism around sustainability. She helps those brands that are actually in that place of sustainability sell more and as she should. Um, if your if your brand is sustainable, when you add your voice to maybe a conversation like that one that Kelly is leading in many ways, and maybe you've got a different perspective than Kelly does on sustainability, which is good. Add your voice. Talk about what it is you believe. Talk about why you have the perspective you have. You will sell more because people will see you as that thought leader and they'll go, who is this person? Why do they have this perspective? You know, oh, they have a brand. Oh, wow, their product is incredible. Look at that. They're not only talking about it, they're doing it. And the proof is powerful. Now it's not it's not actually about selling. It's about proof of what you believe. So suddenly from it going from a sales conversation to being you as a thought leader walking your talk. And where do we do that? So I as we're as we're sitting here talking and it's like okay I've 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 found my my values. I can connect it to the how. I have my, you know, my my why. Where do I then go to execute that? How do I present my thought leadership to the world? So you you know, like we live in a world where we are hyper-connected. And, you know, I have talked a lot about TED Talks only because so many people know of them, not because I think everybody should have a TED Talk. And and I, and I do want to differentiate that and just say, look, I actually don't think everyone should have a TED Talk. It's a pretty hard yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But what I do think is that we should all have a point of view and we should all be talking about our thought leadership. You know, I do weekly LinkedIn or every second week I do a LinkedIn Live uh, on the LinkedIn platform why? Because it's a way for me to take so many thought leaders that I know and that I work with and actually have really good conversations. It's just something I do. We, you know, we get a good audience. Um, sometimes, sometimes we don't. It actually doesn't matter. It's really just about creating that conversation. You know, whether it be TikTok or Instagram, these are places where you can actually take your thought leadership out. They love it when you do live video, um, those, that live video can be turned into other things. You can be on podcasts like we are today talking about thought leadership or your thought leadership, what it is that's important for you. There are hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there. And I mean, you know, the stats on podcasts in terms of their ability to drive, um, sales, to drive thought leadership. Podcasts are an incredibly powerful tool in the, in, you know, in the toolbox of any aspiring thought leader. So don't ignore the things that seem maybe, maybe you look at and you go, well, I'm doing all of those things. Well, what I want you to do is to examine what you're doing within those channels and ask yourself, is that thought leadership or is it selling? Because if you're selling, which is not wrong, don't get me wrong. You absolutely can and should sell and you should make money. If you are choosing to step into your thought leadership, you need to have some posts and some video and some places where you are truly just being the thought leader. Selling can, can be in other places or at other times. 
separate out what you're saying, make sure your thought leadership is clear, and then maybe go some on another one and post about sales. Those are two different things. And I hear you saying, just start wherever you have a platform. You're on Instagram, start on Instagram. You're on TikTok, start on TikTok. LinkedIn, start on LinkedIn. Like choose a place that you already have and just begin. Yes. See how it goes. And in fact, like, you know what? You're at your neighborhood community event. Just talk to the people around you. You don't have to have a stage. You don't have to have a stage. What you do need to have is an audience. And an audience shows up every time we have a conversation. Today, you know, we we have an audience of people listening to us. But, you know, on another day, it could just be you and I having a conversation. That's an audience. So recognizing that we get to use and exercise our voice every time we speak with someone. Now, it's not to say you become the like the, the yawn, oh my God, here comes Andrea again. God, no, no, don't do that. But again, it's about being relevant to the conversation and listening to what you're saying, hearing your own voice, hearing your own ideas and recognizing where you're becoming and stepping into your thought leadership. One thing I just want to go back to before we we start to wrap up is as you were talking about the the how as people discover that and we talked about you know the designer the fictional designer who uses natural fabrics why because you know they believe in sustainability why is as you're creating your own story if people are going back and trying to think of you know well what is this constantly asking you know because why Go deeper. Because why? Like go deeper, go deeper, go deeper. So if someone is is starting to reflect and is inspired to say, okay, well, what is my like, you know, what is that like underlying uniqueness to my perspective is to just start to unravel and unravel and unravel and go deeper and deeper and deeper because that's where the uniqueness, the thing that is only pertaining to you really then informs the story that you're telling, which is the foundation of your thought leadership. That is exactly it. Like every one of us has a a unique life. Every one of us comes with unique lenses and we forget that they're unique. We think we, we, you know, we often come into our world and think we're all the same. We're not. And because we're not, you know, my unique experience in life will help somebody else understand what I'm saying in a way that they couldn't have understood without my unique lens. I don't know that, right? But when I know that, and when I can understand that, and when I, when I accept it and, and leverage that, what I'm doing is I'm helping myself to step into my own thought leadership, but equally as important is I'm helping somebody else to understand the complex idea that I'm putting out there in the world in such a way that they will now make it their own. They will move up in in understanding. And they may have an idea that's completely different from mine, but the understanding that they got from me helped them in theirs. And so it becomes a ripple effect. When I choose to hold my own uniqueness and use it and share it and be the thought leader who helps others, other people can do the same. And that's what we're doing. That's why being a thought leader, that's why being what I call the everyday thought leader, not the, you know, oh, you've got to have two PhDs and run a company and be recognized by, you know, 
whatever government is out there, are those thought leaders? Well, probably, but they're actually less important than all of us who are actually creating ripples in the world. Well, and I can't help but think when I reflect on the content that I like to consume, whether I'm like scrolling Instagram or TikTok, the posts and the content that I resonate with, be it people who are talking about, you know, styling or their brand or, or photography or anything, it is because they, they're using these skills that you're talking about right now. I would never have said, oh, they're being thought leaders. But as you said, it's that mindset that is informing how they are presenting their content, which is making me stay and, and consume it. Yes, that's exactly it. And, and the, you know, the really successful ones are the ones who are doing it through a thought leadership lens. They're not the ones trying to, to sell us at every, at, at every turn, um, but we buy from them, even though they're not, right? That's, and I think that's the key, is it feels like they're speaking to us in a way that um, is so knowledgeable and so authentic to who they are, that we want to know them. We want more. We want to go deeper. And so we buy their products. We follow their, their socials. We engage with their articles or their, their, their videos because we now feel as if they have, not only have they helped us to understand, but we feel like we know them and we feel like they um, have, that they are like us in a way that we didn't know we needed to be, you know, and that's what I think is powerful. The last piece that I want to just touch on is I feel like there's a vulnerability piece that comes with this because oh. now we are possibly feeling like I'm exposing a bit of myself because all of a sudden I've done that deep, like, you know, story. All of a sudden I have to, like, I'm talking about how I grew up beside a garbage dump in our okay. fictional designer who yeah. has embraced sustainability. What are your tips for moving through that discomfort? of, oh my God, it's a little bit scary. Like, or, or is it just me? Am I the only one feeling scared no, gosh, about this? You know, that is like, I, I think that's one of the number one things that, you know, that we find in, in working with people, especially who are just in the early stages of stepping into themselves as a thought leader. It's like, oh my God, I, I, I have to reveal myself. Um, and, and yes, we do. We have to be vulnerable. And when vulnerability is a strength, and I think this is the thing that once you've done it a couple of times and you've taken the deep breath and you've, you've, you've shared something and you realize, oh my goodness, so many other people feel that way. So many other people um, have had that experience. Vulnerability is important because what it does is it takes down the walls. It creates that emotional connection. It makes us real the authenticity comes through. But we need to be vulnerable in a way that feels safe to us. And so it doesn't mean that you share the most vulnerable story of your life the first time. What are some training wheels you can play with, right? What are some things that you feel safe? It feels a little bit scary, but you know, Maybe you're not telling us you live beside a garbage dump, but maybe you're telling us that, you know, your childhood, um, you know, involved lots of, uh, you know, sort of unconventional vacations to, you know, playgrounds, you know? So like, okay, 
we, there sounds like there's a bigger story there. I don't know what it is, but I'm, I can start there. I can start with something that's safe and then slowly lead up to, I actually grew up beside a garbage dump. Okay. That feels more vulnerable and that feels more real. And, and, but I've done the work to get there. So don't put yourself into crisis from the get go because you know, I, 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 there's a saying, which is, you know, teach from your scars, not your wounds. And so I love that. Yeah. And so we have to be careful that, you know, we don't, we don't rip open a wound um, too quickly, make sure it's a scar first. So find those stories that I feel like they're well healed and you can talk about them. You can work up to the ones that maybe are, they're still scars, but they might be a little fresher. Andrea, this has been so wonderful and inspiring and, and frankly, really helpful. Like I think this is, I can hear pennies and mics dropping, you know, all over the place. Before we share your contact info in case people are interested in, in working with you or learning and following and learning more about you, do you have any favorite thought leaders? Is there anyone that comes to mind for you that you're like, they, they're across any industry, like they're doing something really good? I mean, I've got a couple. So, I mean, the first one actually is Chris Anderson, who is the founder of TED. Um, and he, you know, he calls himself the head of TED and he's got a great podcast called The TED Interview. What I love about that podcast is that um, it is an interview style, but it's, it's, it's Chris talking to all his favorite TED speakers. And it's a really great, like, exploration. And Chris would never call himself a thought leader. He, he's a very humble man. If you've ever met him, if you ever see him, he's quite shy and quite introverted. But in the, the TED interview, we get to see his knowledge. And I, and I think it's quite deep and vast and it's quite lovely. Um, so I love listening to that. And I love listening to him as a thought leader. Um, I've, I, I follow a lot of spiritual gurus. And so I've got some in that space. Um, oh God, his head, his name has just gone out of my head. And we can link them in the show notes, Andrea's favorite thought leaders in case yeah. people want to, you know, just sort of take a peek into some of the, the you know, that, that, that the ones that you think are, you know, um, doing a really banging job. Yeah. And I think there are so many, and it cha- this is a thing for me, I mean, I, I'm a, an avid consumer of, of books and, and I read all the time. And so I tend to have, you know, fleeting favorites where I'm like, oh, I'm reading this great book. you got to read it. Like right now I'm reading David Cialdini's um, uh, the, the Power of Persuasion. Influ- I think the book's called Influence. Amazing book. Amazing book. And, and, you know, I'll delve into his stuff for a little while. And I just finished Gay Hendrick's The Big Leap which was another amazing book and, and really well-written. And, you know, and I went deep into, because I recently discovered I'm neurodiverse and so ADHD in women. And so Janera Nuremberg, who wrote a great book called um, um, Divergent Thinking, I think is what it's called. Um, these are all, so for me, my favorite thought leaders often are where I'm thinking in the moment. And so I, I will, you know, again, very ADHD of me, jump 
for thought leader to thought leader. But I always appreciate so much about each one and I learn so much. And I don't just read the books. Like I'll go and watch them in video and I'll listen to the words they use. And and I think so as as people think about what favorite thought leaders do you have, the one piece of advice that I would I would give you is to look at them as the whole person. What is it about what they're saying and how they're showing up that makes them your favorite? Andrea, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your expertise and, and your thoughts with us today. If people are interested in learning more about you and about Talk Batik and just following along with the many interesting conversations that you have and, and, and the work that you do, where are the best places for people to find you? So follow me on LinkedIn. I'm very, very active. I'm there every day. Um, so Andrea Sampson at, at LinkedIn. And um, you can follow me on Instagram as this is Andrea Sampson. And you can also, of course, visit our website, talkboutique.com. We've got many programs. The Thought Leader Academy is there. If you're interested in learning more, check out our website and you can go deep into the Thought Leader Academy and learn a little bit more about that. And those are all linked in the show notes below as well. Andrea, thank you so much for spending this time with me today. I so, so appreciate it. Oh, thank you, Donna, for having me. I have so enjoyed it. And I do hope that your listeners got something from this and that I see many more of them showing up as thought leaders. Thank you so much for joining me here on Fashion Talks. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with your friends, your family, on your networks. It would mean the world to me. Fashion Talks is done in partnership with the Canadian Arts and Fashion Awards. You can find out more about them at CAFA Awards, C-A-F-A-W-A-R-D-S on Instagram. This episode was produced by Jason Perrier. You can find him on Instagram at a Jason Perrier. You can follow the pod at Fashion Talks Pod, and you can follow me at This Is Donna B. All of us on Instagram. I hope you will join us again next week. Thank you so much and have a great day.